0: Or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Your book's journey isn't over after it's been launched. Nope, it's got a whole lifetime ahead of itself. And so while I'm leading you through writing and launching a best selling book, I'm also showing you how to make that book work for you for the rest of your career and your life. Welcome to Launch Your Book with Anna David. Hi, welcome to Launch Your Book with Anna David. It's me, Anna David. And today I have a very special guest for you. As regular listeners know, I don't often have guests anymore. So if I have one, it means this has been very well thought out. It is not one of those days where I can joyfully sit in my sound booth and answer questions or break down uh, somebody's launch strategy. So this woman, is my sister from another mister? She's in Nashville, but she is. We're so similar that we're gonna take over the world together. And so you are going to hear our first conversation, which may go down in history, possibly. She is a traditionally published author. She has done very successful fiction books with St. Martin's. However, she also started a company. It is called Right Way, W R I T E W A Y, and it does something similar and yet different from Launchpad. They do ghostwriting, and they but their main gig is pitching clients to agents. Writing their proposals and thus helping those authors sell books traditionally. So you could say she goes c- completely against everything that I say, which is that traditional publishing is dead and evil. But we—that's sh- what made this conversation so interesting. Now she also has some amazing launch techniques, which alas do not involve posting once on Instagram or hiring a publicist to do it all for you. It is about methodically researching publicists and asking all these questions. She explains what those questions are. And it involves not just setting up an Instagram, but strategically going and connecting with certain people on Instagram in certain ways. So her name is Rhea Frey. We went through this whole thing about how I wouldn't mispronounce her name and I'm afraid I have, but isn't it a great name? Anyway, if you would like to find out more information about her and reach out to her, please go to the show notes for this episode and you will be connected to her. And with that, I give you Ria Mariah Ria Frey. Ria, I'm so excited that we're doing this. As am I,
1: Anna. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, I got to share with you how we're, you know, sisters from another mister in terms of our experience in publishing, which um, is really uncanny. So this mm-hmm. is, I'm going to break down what I know about you for the listeners, and then you're going to correct me on all that I got. Or incomplete. <laughs> I like this. Um, so, you, so you sold your first novel at 22, but it was c- kind of not a good experience. It wasn't quite a sale. It was a vanity press. It didn't go so well. Yes. Then- you moved into, you started with non- nonfiction after that or, or fiction?
1: Yeah, I was so scarred by my fiction experience that I was like, nope, not doing that. So I moved to nonfiction in the health and wellness space because I was a personal trainer forever and uh, certified nutrition. So I kind of went into the health and wellness space for nonfiction books. And
0: you don't really seem to name those books on your website. Is there a reason?
1: No. And, you know, that's a terrible um, promotional downfall (laughs) of mine that I don't really push and promote those books. You know, the first one was actually... This isn't so health and wellness. It was about infidelity. It's called the cheat sheet. Um, so how to tell if your partner is cheating. And oh. that was such an interesting book because I wasn't an infidelity expert. So they brought in a like a co-author who was an infidelity expert, but I actually wrote the book and they just slapped her name on it. And I thought that book was, I was like, this book's going to be huge. And again, it like totally flatlined, didn't really sell. And then I wrote a book called Power Vegan, which is all about plant-based nutrition before it was like such a fad that it is. It was back in 2012, I believe. Um, And then I got hired to write a book about um, detoxing before you're expecting. So really how to like cleanse your body before you get pregnant. And then a book on um, Mediterranean diet and like how to live that lifestyle too. So it was very like churn and burn, churn and burn. And I was like, I can get a book deal. I know how to pitch. I know how to sell But back then, even though it wasn't that long ago, the author platform wasn't as absolutely critical as it is today. I didn't even understand what that phrase was. So I just thought, hey, I'm writing books, so won't everyone buy them? And it's just so funny, the stereotypes and the the dreams that we tell ourselves when I think, and I know now that like the writing is the fun part for me, the hard work is what comes after and how you're going to continue to promote what is hopefully an evergreen product for the rest of your life? And I'm obviously not doing a good job with that with my nonfiction books because I never mentioned them. <laughs> well, but your fiction books are so successful that actually oh, I you. do think that is smart
0: marketing because because oh, people you. get confused very easily. And we yes, were talking, they do <laughs> we were talking about how we both, um, you know, have have walked between being not a novelist and being a nonfiction author, and yeah. that is that is rare. Um, and, and people, you know, and it's the same, it has to do with building a platform. You have to be so clear about who you are and what you do. And if you stray from it, people
1: get confused completely.
0: So, so let's talk about the, what you learned and how you built the platform. What did you
1: do? Yeah. So it's really interesting looking back now because I am a business owner for writers where we talk so extensively about platform and building that platform before you ever even have a product to sell. And I wish I'd known this advice back when I was starting out because it really took me like five almost failed books with like a really crappy sales record to finally like take a breath. I took a big old break from trying to get published and wanted to return to fiction and, you know, hadn't touched it in over 10 years. And part of me was like, who do I think I am? Like returning to writing novels. Um, But when I finally decided like, I'm going to do this, I have the story I want to write. And I did land, you know, a pretty big four four book deal and like a movie deal and all the like fun stuff that you think like, this is going to, changed my life. I approached it totally differently this time. I looked at my book as a product to sell. I looked at this whole enterprise as the business that it is. And I decided I'm going to approach this like, as if I were starting a business. So I started a side hustle, uh, which is now my like full-time business (laughs) to help other authors like on their paths to publication. And I, spent 20 grand of that money like these of these like freelance gigs that I was doing to hire a publicist. I decided early on I'd heard like the pros and cons of hiring a publicist and I I learned that publicity does not translate to sales necessarily, but it translates to reader awareness and engagement. I was coming in as a novelist no one knew anything about who I was and you know, I wanted to like, at least get my name recognition out there. And she did with a 10 month campaign. She did a great job. She got my book everywhere. I hit like crazy, like buzzworthy lists. We were like an entertainment weekly, a weekly magazine. And that book was everywhere. So it was more about the book being out there establishing myself as an author. And what I did before that book came out, cause I had gosh, like 18 months to work and to build a platform before the book came out. I don't like social media. I picked, <laughs> I picked one account to go deep on. And Instagram is the only one that doesn't make me want to vomit. So I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to go all in here. I'm going to look at my competitors. So who am I sharing space with on the shelf? And I decided to look at who they were connecting with, who was following them, who were their readers. And then I started going down the rabbit hole of where are their readers, like what books are their readers reading? What social media channels are they on? What um, you know publication, like where, where are they showing up? What groups are they in? And I started to connect with them. So our relationship became about reciprocity and not just like, I have a book here, buy it. I started sharing my journey my writing experience and really trying to connect with a community and helping other writers at the same time. So I really did it like step-by-step very organically and, you know, just, just kind of built it in a way that felt good to me. It's what I coach my clients as well. Like, you know, you don't have to be everywhere everywhere. You don't have to do everything. And I always say, like, figure out what you like to do. If you like to blog, if you like to write a newsletter, if you like to speak or do podcasts, like put your time and attention and building your engaged community there and then just ditch the rest. You can always add on later, but people can tell when it's like authentic and something you're enjoying. And when you just feel like, oh, no, I have to do this because so-and-so is doing it too.
0: Oh, so many things I want to break down. (laughs) First of all, that publicist, that publicity story is so different from most publicity stories you hear, including mine, where I hired I've hired you know, many and been frustrated. Yep. Who was that? Who
1: was that? Yeah. Queen? So, um, so again, and I will preface this by saying I have since spent over a hundred grand on my author journey with events, book tours, other publicists that I was not happy with. Um, so this one back in 2018, I went with, um, a company called book sparks, um, a woman, crystal patriarch. She is like the queen of the books to community. And because that's where I built my community. She was really on the cutting edge before bookstagram was even a thing. And she just knew exactly where to place my book and how to get it out there. I think since the years to follow, you know, like social media has grown so much, everyone's fighting for space and noise. I think she's had to pivot a bit, but I talked to several authors that had worked with her about their experience and they all were really positive. And I think it's hard to find like rave reviews about anyone. Um, but I knew what I was hiring her for. So I had very clear expectations going in. Um, and she met and exceeded like all those expectations for that book, but I did not want to spend that kind of money, like book over book. So the second book I tried, like I did a reduced campaign with them. And then I hired a local publicity, um, company in Nashville where I live to try that. And that was like, so, so. And then my third book came out in quarantine and I was like, I'm not hiring anyone. And then I panicked when my real uh, like tour got canceled. And I was like, oh God, I'm going to throw money here, here, here. So that didn't work. And so I really realized the only time it's been successful is when I had a lot of time to think about it. I could do my research and, and really understand what I was getting for that money. And I think asking questions. I can't tell you how many authors hire publicists or outside help or digital marketers, and they don't ask questions. They don't really understand what it is they're paying for. And I've become so like just strict about understanding where my dollar is going because I've made so many mistakes along the way. So what are some of those questions they should be asking? Well, I mean, I think first of all, you need to look at the scope of work that someone is going to be working um, on. So for me, I wanted to go at, there's all these different packages and like, I wanted to go with a 10 month campaign, which really covered print, digital, in-person events. And I think like asking, sitting down with a publicist, asking them number one, how they work with a client if you are actually going to be working with that publicist, or if you're going to be assigned like a, you know, an assistant or someone else who's going to be checking in. So I think asking about how often they communicate, how they communicate, how you are going to gauge success. So is that a PR tracker that they send you weekly? Is it, you know, weekly phone calls? Is it you know, sending a pitch list and getting responses. I think you just have to really ask, like looking at the scope of work and then asking questions about what's important to you. And for me, that was knowing what, just kind of what to expect and when they do what. So for a lot of publicists, you'll like pay money. Say I paid money for a 10 month campaign. They don't really start until like, four to six months before the book comes out. So for a lot of people, they're like, oh my God, nothing's happening. I'm paying for all this stuff and no one's doing anything. And you have to understand that a lot of it happens behind the scenes. A lot of it is just sending emails um, or some are like pay to play, digital marketing, advertising, you know, getting your book featured in X, Y, or Z. So I think understanding that process, how it all works First, so you actually know what questions to ask, because you know it's like signing with an agent or signing with an editor. You'd be shocked, or maybe you wouldn't be. Like, how many people don't ask questions before they sign with someone? Like, oh, I've asked of, no questions ever. Oh, like, what type of agent are you? Are you a hands-on agent? Do you edit? Am I going to get to see the pitch list? Like, and I think that my my whole goal as an author is to be a truth teller and. I think we have this narrative around being published authors that it's like, I'm an author. It's great. But yeah, it also really sucks. And it's also really hard. And it's also extremely disappointing at times. And you can also feel like you're constantly in the dark. And I don't think that makes us ungrateful. That just really illuminates the issues with the industry and how kind of private and hush-hush it is. And so with my clients, like I want them to have all of the answers that they can and to know what questions it's okay to ask around contracts, around money. No one wants to talk about money. No one wants to talk about numbers. No one wants to talk about like expectations, but it's your career at the end of the day. And I think like, again, really treating it like a business is it's been the game changer for me. It's just like, Oh, this is a business. This is my career and I am allowed to take part in that. And I think so many authors don't, they just feel lucky to be like, to have a seat at the table, but it's like, you are the, you are the table essentially. And everyone's having a seat around you. So I think it's really important to speak up.
0: That's so great. I I, I do think that the, the, the thing that I really latched onto is this idea that you don't Publishers keep a lot of authors in the dark because and I've had publishers tell me this because they don't want to say you're not our priority.
1: Oh, and percent. So,
0: and so all you know is that you're feeling ignored and frustrated yeah. because you should. <laughs> and you thought. Oh, I have this big five publisher. I'm yep. I'm, you know, and I did the same thing. I thought, yep. well, I'm fantastic, so yep. everyone's <laughs> going to read my book. And my my first book came out in 2007, so Instagram yeah. didn't exist. Facebook was a crazy thing for college kids. Like it yeah. was so so different. And I'm, I've been on the exact same path as you, although without asking the questions of the people. I, so it's taken me a little bit longer. But, but yes, I, I have now realized, and in, in fact, what we guide our clients to is build a business behind your book because you're yes. never going to make the money yes. from book sales. Even New York Times best, you'd be shocked how many New York Times bestselling authors are broke. And
1: so oh, yeah. figure out
0: what you want your book to do for you which is yeah. a lot harder with a novel if with not
1: possible. Exactly. So we yeah, have, we've been trying to come up with something to like, okay, so with nonfiction, yeah, right. Like that, that book is a product and an arsenal of larger products. It can be a lead generation magnet, it can do all sorts of things for you and be a, like a gateway to, to all of these amazing things. But for a novel, you know, you're not solving a problem. There's no sense of urgency to buy that book. But I think part of the problem in that is we treat Writing novels and selling novels and publishing novels, like this kind of like romantic thing. Like we write the whole book, which is great. We don't think about how are we going to market that book before, during, and after it's published? Um, who are my competitors? Who are my readers? Like what where's the content strategy to truly market this book? So we have something we've created, like kind of like the nonfiction book proposal for fiction writers called the Fiction Fundamentals Kit, where it's essentially a book proposal for your novel that you can start thinking strategically like a business person so you have like this you know 6 months pre-launch to 6 months post-launch marketing plan you know who your competitive allies are you know where your readers are so you can like plug and play and really treat it in the same way because you I think you have to work harder sometimes um as a novelist but so many of us sit back and like well Hopefully it'll sell. I don't know. I can't control it. But but there are some things that you can do to ensure success. And at the end of the day, it's it feels like banging your head against the wall uh, 99.9% of the time. But I know that if I've done everything that I can physically, mentally, and emotionally do, um, I feel like better at the end of the day than if I just like sat back and let people who have like my team who has hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other priorities, other novelists, other books to sell. They're never going to care about my book as much as I do. So I'm the one that has to sell it.
0: Absolutely. I I wanted to also go back to what you said about Instagram. So so when you said you were engaging, were you engaging with your fellow authors or their readers or both?
1: Both. So I, you know, again, didn't know. I didn't even know what books like bookstagram that I was clueless. Like I got on when I say I'm old school, like I miss, you know, handwriting letters, talking on a landline telephone. (laughs) Like I would just do away with so much technology and social media. But it was when I got on there, it was like this landmine of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. So I started looking at competitive authors in my space first. These were the authors I reached out to for blurbs. I looked at who was in my domestic suspense category who had books coming out. And I actually started messaging them, direct messaging them on Instagram, asking like, Hey, would you want to read my book and like provide a blurb? And everyone said, yes, like everyone was, they didn't know who I was and they were so kind. And so then I started like looking at who is again, who is following them? What, you know, what kind of posts were they posting and what, what did I like to do and what, did I have to share? So I would, you know, comment and, but one thing that like stood apart for me is I would respond. Like if I got, you know, I did a bunch of like pictures with um, typewriters and books and stuff like that in the beginning. And I would respond to every single person and I would respond to every single message and I would leave like real comments. On on people's posts. And back then, back then, three years ago, but it's wildly different. I mean, the engage my engagement was great. It was all awesome. And then it, you know, it shifted continuously. It's become so saturated. But I really did set that foundation by just, you know, I'd take 10 minutes out of the day, 20 minutes out of the day, batch like batch the social media time where I would go through and just kind of like peruse and try to connect with people. I would promote their books as well, like promote other authors books, um, which was so much fun and just being really supportive. So again, it was just based on reciprocity. So when my book finally came out, they were willing to do the same, which was nice. So great.
0: So tell me about starting right way. Uh, when did you start it? And, um, Tell me more about it.
1: Yeah. So, over the course of, I mean, well over a decade, I have been doing what I'm doing with Right Way, but just in a total like freelance capacity. Like, I've been ghostwriting and editing and, you know, co writing and creating book proposals for clients. I started to look at it more like a business when I created. A side hustle back in like 2017, um, for writers and it scaled to six figures in its first year without me doing anything like without marketing, without anything at all. And then it did the same thing the next year. And then I was like, man, this, this could really be something. So I, you know, I've always been a solopreneur. I've never been a nine to five person or like, you know, going to going to the office. So I was like, I don't know if I don't know if I want to be an entrepreneur and actually start a business. But at the top of 2020, I decided like, I want this to be a business. So my husband quit his comfy corporate six-figure job to come start this with me at the, like literally January, 2020. And then the pandemic happened and I was like, oh my God, we're idiots. What is going to happen? But what did happen was that Our business doubled in in revenue that year because last year, because I feel like people finally were like, if I don't write my book now, I'm never going to write it. So we actually started right away with our weekly podcast, which works to demystify the publishing industry. And then we got into, you know, my podcast co-host, he handles the fiction side of things. And I handle the nonfiction side of our business, which is really the bread and butter of our business. And we just were like, we're going to do this by word of mouth, referral only. Let's see how we grow. And all of a sudden, like 80 to 90% of our clients were landing top agents, six figure book deals. Like we've had a couple of clients whose books have now come out and a couple of them hit number one, like bestseller status. And it's been so insane to work with someone from the concept of their book, not really knowing what to do to now seeing their books out in the world, affecting thousands and thousands of people. So it's been unbelievable and so supportive. But as you know, building a business around an industry that's can be sometimes frustrating has been a little tricky because our whole mission is, you know, you can get published if you want to get published, but I think most of us don't sit to think about what your big why is for doing this in the first place and, and what success actually looks like to you, not the canned version of, I want to become a New York Times bestseller. Most of us, when we dig into it, it's actually not what we want. And it's, it's such a fleeting moment on this big, long game journey. So we really try to help writers pick the right publication path, but then know exactly what to do once you pick that path and how to like be successful, quote unquote, successful going forward. So it's been freaking awesome.
0: (laughs) It's like I said, we work in conjunction with one another so well. And, you know, I will tell you because one of my books did hit the New York Times list (gasps) and it is something that I dine out on. It is like the thing that that attracts mm-hmm. so much business to us but yeah. i i have a presentation i give on why you don't want to be a new york times best selling author.
1: Oh. Uh, amazing! Cause it's
0: cuz it's it's true i've never been more broke than when yep. i was. Um what uh when you say they hit the number one spot do you mean like they hit number 1 on Amazon?
1: Yeah, like in their in their category in their not category. not new york times. I mean i told same thing. I told my clients like if you want to go over, go after New York times. Great. Like, uh, but it is so hard to hit that list. Like my editor, a long time ago, she's like, don't even worry about that list. Like USA today, wall street journal. It it's such a tricky list and it just frustrates the frustrates me to no end that you're still not seen Is a super successful author, unless you are on that list. And I mean, I haven't hit that list and sure. Is it a goal in the back of my mind? Absolutely. But I know it's not going to fundamentally change me or it could bring more business, but you're right in that. I remember reading a stat where like, do you hit the New York times bestseller list? You could sell 7,000 books that first week and then never sell another copy. Whereas I've sold, you know, like I remember not her daughter. We were like, I mean, not insane, but you know, we got up to like fifty thousand copies, like pretty quickly, and that's I'm like, "insane listener, that's insane." Well, but but it didn't hit it didn't hit that list. You know what I mean? Because,
0: so yeah, yeah, because that's it's not
1: how the list works. It's so frustrating. So it's I would, ra- I mean, of course, I would <laughs> love to hit that list, but having the long tail of sales is kind of where my books have just fallen. They tend to like do okay over a long period of time where I've seen like some of our clients, one of our clients landed a great six-figure deal. She was a lead title and her publisher even told her like, Hey, looks like you could, you could hit this list. You could hit the New York times list. I'm like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. A publisher should never say that to you. Number one, they, they can't tell. And then she sold like 5,000 copies in her first like couple, like almost, I think the first week she sold 5,000 copies. She didn't make the list, but then from then on out from that first week, it's just been like a few hundred more a week. And she has worked her butt off to sell. And so it's also tricky and such a, a, a math problem that is like a puzzle that no one can solve. I mean, it's just so interesting.
0: Yes. And I mean, by the way, the Bible never hit the New York Times list, uh, which is what? Like, it's crazy because I didn't sell more than 10,000 that week, yeah, um, exactly. the week of release. Um, so so let's talk about how your business works. So yeah. so basically somebody says, I don't want to self-publish. I don't want to hybrid publish. I yeah. want to sell to a publisher. Yeah. They pay you guys to connect, to help them with yeah. the proposal.
1: Yes. To help them with the proposal. We don't like, okay. So the way that it works is we c- we don't say yes to everyone. So I will, yeah, I will clarify I would this with that, but what they would first do is they book a free consult with me. I offer free consults for everyone. Um, I think it's really important to talk about their goals, get to know them. They fill out a pretty extensive intake form. So I can understand how well they know their own book, their author platform. I kind of get that due diligence. So when we talk, I know what we're talking about. I discussed, you know, we have to get it out of the way, but like the two barriers to entry with traditional publishing, which are just like around the sale. of your idea. If it's something in a really saturated space like business or health and wellness, and then the strength of their author platform. If someone comes to me, they have 500 followers on Facebook. They're nowhere else that they're not going to get traditionally published right then, but we can work. We can give them some like tools and things to do to really build that author platform. But once we go through the vetting process, there are many different ways you can engage. But if someone wants to come to me for a book proposal, there are three different options. There's a one month option, a two month option, and then like our VIP option, which is the three month option That's the fully fleshed out book proposal, which is around hundred pages. It's edited, it's designed, it's proofed. We have a curated list of around 15 literary agents that we personally know um, that we will pitch them to. We write their query letter, we pitch on their behalf, and we're kind of with them until they hopefully get a yes. And I always say you only need one yes. So there are a a million (laughs) agents out there, but we're really careful about only sending five queries at a time so we can get real feedback and kind of know what to do or to tweak along the way. So our whole mission during that process is to really just kind of, again, teach the author what they're what they're doing, how it's going to work when they get an agent. I'm often on that call when they're vetting agents. I prep them on what questions to ask. And then when they are with that agent and they hopefully get a deal, I have clients coming back all the time like, just asking questions or, Hey, can I hire you to edit my book? Because my in-house editor didn't do anything. And it's just, it's kind of crazy. And I, I mean, I love it so much, but I so admire what you do because we've talked about like, God, I wish we could create like a publishing arm of some sort because we get so many great writers, but their platforms aren't big enough. So they'll never be traditionally published, but self-publishing is so overwhelming to them. And it's, you know, they don't have the resources to really market and push the way that they want. They don't want to go hybrid. So they sometimes feel really defeated if mastering that author platform is their true barrier to entry. And I'm like, there's got to be a better way. Enter you.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yes. And and the thing is, it is kind of hellish. And that's why I have a team and I would never yeah. have done it if our first client hadn't kind of said, I'll pay you to figure this out. And yeah. and, and and but they still need all the stuff less a platform, they can be successful without a platform so long as they have a business model. That's all. So I won't, we're very expensive, but I won't take money from anyone I don't think can make it back. 100%. Same,
1: same. I, I refuse, um, you know, and I've had a couple of clients that I've literally said, you do not need to spend this money. It's, it's just not going to happen. And they will do it anyway, because they want to go through the proposal process. They have their little content strategy. They know what they need to do to build their platform. And then they'll go off and like build for a year and then come back. We'll tweak their proposal and then we pitch them. So I really admire that too. I mean, you can do it either way you want to, you want to go, but it is an investment without guarantee of publication, but what it is, is like a true education on how this all works and like what it's going to take to play the game. Essentially. I just realized I have some, I have a client to send you today, um, mm-hmm. who I hopefully you will
0: accept. Yeah. Um, one, <laughs> one thing I did want to sidebar, a hundred page. Is that the standard proposal right now?
1: No, I mean, so it's so funny. There's a, there's another like book proposal company out there that does what we do. We are very, we're like some of the least expensive proposal writers I know. Um, and we're very expensive, I think, but I was looking at his prices and for like a 50 page proposal, it was like 30 grand or something. And I was like, Oh, um, so the reason hours are so long is because I include the first three sample chapters of the person's book. Now, Some agents or some editors only want one. I don't think you can gauge a book off of one chapter. I I think it is a disadvantage for authors because anyone can write a good first chapter. But when you get that momentum of writing two to three chapters, it instills confidence in the writer to like, Oh, I've got this. Like I've got a little bit of momentum. So when they go to write the book, they have a start already. And then they're, they're like in that groove. And it also gives the agent or editor just a better feel for what the book is actually going to look like and feel like, and proves that this author can write 200 pages, 250 pages versus a good, like five to 10.
0: So, I would be remiss if, since I've sort of, you're so fascinating that I've gotten kind of off the launch strategy, but it was all inherent in what you were talking about in terms of publicity and Instagram. If you had to give three tips for how to launch a book, what would they be?
1: No, God, pray. (laughs) Um, Well, I would say, again, doing your research ahead of time. So finding where your readers are ahead of time and really connecting with them. I cannot stress that enough. Connecting with your fellow authors for events for you know doing facebook lives instagram lives creating some sort of launch strategy where you were utilizing your connections so you You can really, again, help promote each other's work. I found that to be so successful. And then if you want to do, if you want to spend money, some of the best advice I ever got was like, don't spend money on events, spend money on digital marketing. If that's where you want your book to be like out in that world, spend your money there. Don't bother with book tours. Um, I think launching in the world, if you love events and the world opens back up, do ticketed events or luncheons where people will pay 50 bucks, 100 bucks. It comes with a lunch and your book. And then all you have to do as the author is show up. So getting really strategic about what you choose to spend your time and money on. Um, I think launching virtually is great, but you know, the sell-through rate for your book is only about 10% when you do these virtual events. So really think about what your goal is. Is it to reach as many people as possible or is it to sell books and then do your research on what actually moves copies. And sometimes digital marketing, digital ads, things like that really, really does kind of move the needle in that direction without you having to get out of your soft pants in your, in the comfort mm-hmm. of your own home. <laughs>
0: Just a sidebar on this: no. setting up a lunch where people are spending a hundred bucks.
1: Yep. How does one go about doing that? No, you don't. Yeah, you don't set that up. But in your local community, so that's another thing. Like we could go off on a tangent on the strength of your local community. So when I was launching, I was like, "Ah, what do I do?" So I looked at a lot of like country clubs, a lot of like um, different organizations. Sometimes for um, it was like an older. Clientele, but they had these like monthly luncheons, these monthly meetups. There's a a bookstore in South Carolina. She does this so beautifully. She has like two to three events a week of 250 to 300 people that show up no matter what, and all you have to do is just book it, and that's it. You don't, you're not the one that's bringing in the group. They are so searching your local community, really trying to become more of a name in your own community versus going after some of these like national spots that it's like, oh, this is great. My book was in Forbes and, you know, so many other people, or you got an article in Forbes, but then it just gets like buried versus if you get a write-up in the local paper, that often has a little bit more impact in terms of trying to sell your book. Um, I think. And especially if it's a smaller town, it's the town's success. Oh, look at, we
0: have this author. And that's what you want. Is it in, I was just in South Carolina. Is that, is it in Granville by any chance? Cause that was the best bookstore. Oh,
1: no, it's not in Granville. I'm like totally blanking on the name. And it was one of the best events I ever did. I did it at the end of 2018. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a brilliant model because so many bookstores don't do ticketed events. And then there's no sense of like, you know, you don't have any skin in the game in terms of paying for a ticket. So sometimes people won't show up. Um, I do think it's important as an author to also befriend speaking locally, like befriend your local bookstores, become friends with bookstore owners. They can be your biggest advocates because they will hand sell your book. And that, I mean, that goes such a long way.
0: And the people who work there. Just oh it doesn't gosh. have to be the Compl- owner.
1: Compl- no, exactly. But just don't be shy. Like introduce yourself, um, really establishing that relationship. I, I learned that the hard way <laughs> doing an event. It was a crazy event. And we had a local bookstore owner in Chicago come and sell books. And the event was so crazy that I didn't go get to say hello to her. I didn't introduce myself to her. And I had a publisher friend of mine who was doing this panel with me. And he came up and he was like, great event. You made one huge error. And I was like, oh God, what is that? He was like, one person was very unhappy tonight. And that was the bookseller. She was stuck in the corner no one came over to introduce themselves. No one said hello to her. And I was mortified, but I have never made that mistake again. I will always introduce myself to, to bookstore owners. And yes, people who are part of that community, because they're the ones who are really your biggest advocates in, in selling your book. Well,
0: this has been absolutely fantastic. What is the best way for people to find you?
1: Absolutely. So everything is under our website umbrella. That's rightwayco.com. So W-R-I-T-E-W-A-Y-C-O.com. Our services are there. You can book a free call with me there. Our intake forms are there, links to our newsletter, podcasts, bunch of you know free premium content. Um, it is the best way to get in touch. Fantastic.
0: Well, thank you so much, Ria, I did it! I did it! You did it! Oh, <laughs> you so it right. <laughs> hard for me. And thank you guys for listening. I will see you next week. I mean, talk to you next week. You know <laughs> what I mean. Thanks for joining me this week on Launch Your Book with Anna David. For more info about the show, go to launchyourbookpod.com, where you can get show notes and so much more. If you got anything out of this episode, I can't tell you how much I would appreciate a review. And don't forget, my company, Launchpad Publishing, is here to help you at any stage in your writing and publishing journey. Just go to launchpadpub.com for more, and be sure to tune in next week for next week's episode.